Good morning. A reading from St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to stand before your people and proclaim your word. I pray right now, God, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would bring meaning and nourishment to those who hear. And if there's anything about me that's annoying to the hearers, I pray that you would get that out of the way so they can look through me to see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, good morning, 7th Avenue. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. And my sermon title today is Religion, Ritual, Relationship. But before we get started, I'd like to share the Webster's online dictionary definitions of these three words so that we're using common language. Religion is defined by Webster as the service and worship of God, or the supernatural, a set or system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and ways of doing things. And next, ritual is defined as, according to religious law, something done in accordance with social custom or normal protocol. And finally, relationship is defined as the relation, connecting or binding participants in relationship, such as kinship or a specific instance or type of kinship. So religion, ritual, relationship. As Pastor Jeff mentioned, I have the privilege of serving as the chaplain at Eden Medical Center in Castro Valley. Now as a hospital chaplain, I provide emotional and spiritual support to a wide range of individuals with a wide range of faith traditions, including those who may not have a religious practice or a faith tradition, as well as 
atheists, and agnostics. When I visit a patient, their loved one, or a staff member, it is incumbent upon me to remember that it's not about me. And it's not about my agenda, what I want to do for you or do to you, to that person who sits before me. It's about meeting people where they are. It's about embodying in action, word, and deed the example that Jesus set when he asked the two blind men in Matthew 20, 32, what do you want me to do for you? In order to do that as a chaplain, it means that we often have to have a healthy curiosity. So one of the first questions that I often ask people is, do you consider yourself to be religious or spiritual? And then we go from there. Such was the case last summer when I was asked to visit a patient whose, fate, whose health was declining. In fact, the team suspected that this individual was actively dying. When I entered the room, the patient was sleeping, and I did not wake him up because I believe that sleep is a spiritual practice. Right? <laughs> I just want you to know that. I introduced myself instead to the patient's spouse and asked that individual if the patient was religious or spiritual. The spouse confirmed that the patient was Catholic and that their adult child had already arranged for a priest to visit to perform the sacrament of the sick. I listened attentively to the patient's spouse as they shared their feelings and memories. And then I prayed for peace and comfort for both the patient, the spouse, and those that they love. I left knowing that the couple were indeed religious and that the sacrament of the sick, an important ritual in their Catholic faith tradition, had already been arranged. Now when I returned to the, visit the patient the following week, the patient's adult child met me outside the room in the hallway, and the child stated his concern at the fact that the patient, his parent, had been continually asking for forgiveness and mercy over the past couple of days. So I went in to meet privately with the patient, and in accordance with the patient's religious practice, at the conclusion of our time together, I prayed the Catholic prayer of commendation for the dying. Another religious ritual that appeared to provide comfort for this patient. Now, as I left the room and began walking down the hall, the patient's spouse quickly caught up with me and asked if I could renew their wedding vows. And honored, I said yes. So, after donning my stole, I conducted a brief wedding vow renewal ceremony at the bedside as their child videotaped these moments and the ceremony from the foot of the bed. At the end of the ceremony, the patient's spouse said, I love you, to the patient. And the patient replied, I love you, 
Then I looked at the patient and I said, your spouse is much more, is, is more beautiful today than they were 40 plus years ago. To which the patient replied with his eyes closed, much more beautiful. In that moment, I had the privilege of witnessing the depth of a relational bond that had formed between these two beloved souls over the course of many, many years. And the only word that I can use to explain it is intoxicating. There just aren't words to explain what I witnessed in that moment. In that moment, I thought it was the spouse who wanted to renew the vows. I later learned that it was the patient. The gift that that patient wanted to give their spouse was an acknowledgement of the depth of the relationship they had shared through the years. Imagine that your last words from your spouse were, I love you, and much more beautiful. In that moment, it didn't seem to matter to this couple whether or not I was Catholic, a priest, or male. It didn't seem to matter if the vows were liturgically perfect. In that moment, what seemed to matter most was bearing witness to the committed relationship between these two beloveds who had shared so much life together. And whenever I have an opportunity to bear witness to that kind of love and that kind of relationship, it stops me in my tracks and literally takes my breath away. And so it is every time I read about Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan, as we read about in today's passage. You see, in this passage, you and I have an opportunity to hear and bear witness to the love relationship between God and God's Son. And it stops me in my tracks, and it takes my breath away. But let me come back to that. The central theme of this passage is baptism. Now, when you bring up the subject of baptism among theologians, you're likely to spark a lively discussion about how baptism should be done. Immersion, sprinkling, pouring, when it should be done, infancy, childhood, teens, grown adults, and by whom it should be done. Can a lay person baptize? Should it be a pastor, an elder, or a priest? And who's, in, in whose name should it be done? God, Father, Son, and or Holy Spirit. There is no end to the theological interpretations about how this re religious ritual should be performed. But I had an old missionary Baptist pastor who taught me, and he used to say, don't simply believe what I'm saying. Study the word for yourself. So come with me and let's look at what Mark chapter 1 has to say about baptism. First, baptism was done in public. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, baptism was what many refer to as a public expression of an inward change. And second, 
The baptism experience was shared by a group of people, and it created community. People from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. When the people came together at the River Jordan, they were joined together in relationship as a community of faith, not by blood, but by baptism. And here's the best part. The part where we bear witness to the love relationship between God and God's Son. The part that stops me in my tracks and literally takes my breath away. The part where baptism points toward our identity and our relationship with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Now when we choose to be baptized, we participate in a religious ritual that is a public expression of an inward change and an inward decision. Our choice to repent and receive God's free gift of forgiveness. When we choose to be baptized, we become part of a community of faith, followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. When we choose to be baptized, we choose to enter into a lifelong relationship with God. This God who the psalmist declares has searched each of us, each and every one of us, and knows us. The God who knit us together in our mother's womb. The God who promised in Hebrews 13.5 never to leave us and never to forsake us. When we choose to be baptized, we affirm by faith that we are God's beloved, in whom God's soul delights. That same love relationship that God spoke over Jesus is available to each and every one of us. And over time, as each of us develops deeper love relationships with God, it is inevitable that as both individuals and as a community, we will become much more beautiful. Much more beautiful.